the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. It's Wine Women Radio. I'm Marsha Maycumber, your only host today, because uh, our other hosts are, well, they're on assignment. They're often busy during this busy holiday season. Uh, and this is what's known in the industry as OND, October, November, December, which means everybody is wildly crazy and going like nuts. But we're here anyway, recording the show. Oh, and somebody's peeing in like our on assignment person perhaps is less on assignment. Um, in any event, uh, we've got a fantastic guest here today. Claudia Shug is here. Welcome, Claudia. A little clink. Woohoo. Yeah. Got to have you. a little, you know, sound effects. That's right. <laughs> so thank you for coming in today. Really appreciate your being on Wine Women Radio. So our uh, our listeners may not know, Shug Carneros Estate Winery is, uh, it's not entirely down the street. It's down the street, over a bit, turn left, go south. Yeah. On the way to yeah. uh, the, so, the raceway. On it's the way to- on the way to the raceway, mm-hmm. since we are downtown right now in Sonoma at the Panel Wine Lounge. We'll uh, talk a little bit about them a little bit later. They uh, help host the show and support us by um, giving us their private tasting room to record the show in, which is really great. Uh, but now that we've clinked, we should tell our listeners a little bit about this fantastic Chug Rouge de Noir that you poured for us. Yes, it's um, a, a traditional method sparkling made from 100% Pinot Noir grapes um, with that has seen a little more skin contact than mm-hmm. you would normally see. Um, and it's saigné, which means um, it's not a blended red and white, but it's, uh, it's bled off the, um, after it's been cold soaked, it's bled wow. off the the skins so it's very yeah. aromatic yeah it's got a lot of good pinot noir character it which sure does yeah so now okay. it's unusual to me to have a um kind of a pure pinot noir but like you said a sanye style mm-hmm. folks can't see the color out there but it's this beautiful translucent red yeah it's of, gorgeous yeah it's it's kind of like a jewel. Um, maybe you could compare it to a garnet, yes. or something like that. Yes. Um, and it sparkles. It's pretty. Oh my goodness! It's got bubbles. Um, and it's on the it's the second fermentation in bottle, which mm-hmm. is a traditional method, as in champagne. Right. Um, spent over two years on the on the on the yeast. So, right, um, with a lot of riddling going on. Yep, yep. Now, do you got? Do you guys have a mechanical riddler, or do you? We does somebody go about it? Have by hand? No, we we don't <laughs> own a, a riddler. Um, we do subcontract out the riddling process, so the bottles do go to okay. another facility to do that. Yeah, All right. Well, yeah. that sounds like a, a smart move because otherwise, it's a boatload of work, right? Manually yeah. to do that. Yeah. So. Well, this is absolutely beautiful. Very dry. That's right. This is yeah. not a sweet sparkling wine no. at all. No, no. It's brute level, so it's on the bottle. It says brute, mm-hmm. um, which means legally, I think it's up to about 15 grams of, of, of sweetness level, but ours is more close to the, I'd say, three 
grams of, mm-hmm. of sweetness. So mm-hmm. it's really g- getting close to dry. It's very dry, but very aromatic mm-hmm. and very flavorful. Mm-hmm. You definitely yeah. pick up all the Pinot notes in this. Thank and of you. course, that is what the Shug House is so well known for, for the Pinot. So now would probably be a good time to fill our listeners in on exactly what the history is. Because you guys have been around here in the Sonoma Valley for a really long time. And your dad was making wine long, long, long before that with Joseph Phelps and mm-hmm. and yes. so forth. So tell the family story because you're one of the few that's family owned for, you know, decades and decades. Yes, yes. Well, um, my parents immigrated from Germany so that's where the name hills mm-hmm. from the that's our last name our family name is um Shug. and um they immigrated in 61 from Germany right. and both grew up on wine estates in Germany um, right and my dad got his um, degree in winemaking uh in Germany and he was uh yeah he was um, hired to make wine in California and right. had several stations in his career mm-hmm. that led to starting our own winery. Um, and one of the most notable ones was that uh, he was the winemaker, the first winemaker for Joseph Phelps in the Napa Valley and was making Help the... put him on the map. Right. In right. a big way. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. big way. Exactly. So yeah. very cool. Yeah. So um, let me ask about then the establishment of the family winery because a lot of people start with a similar um not that high profile but similar background of they're making wine for other people not so many of them come over from the old country Mm -hmm. um to come here what was um first of all your parents what was what was the the impulse to come to the states in 61 there was not it, it was not known as a wine world here really at all, no. the way it is today. The impulse came from um, my dad's opportunity to come over because of an invitation uh, that his father was a winemaker in Germany mm-hmm. and had uh, some contact to some California vintners who mm-hmm. were over in Germany studying how Germany was making wine. And they found out that my dad was just finishing his degree and they said, you know, anytime Walter wants to come over and work for us for a year, we'll we'll make it happen. So he came over um, in 1959 for one year, mm-hmm. and check he, it out. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> and had a, I guess a um, uh, the visa for uh, just for an internship, mm-hmm. and he um, made such a great impression. And at the time, there was a great need for um, for winemakers in California that he was hired to stay um, and he did. So it was, a, yeah. it was just a magical confluence of timing. Right, right. And you didn't have to How take, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. how did, have you ever heard from your dad? Did you hear from him about the language barrier? Was it, was it a real, you know, challenging thing at first or was it just because he, you know, you make the decision to do that and so you go, all right, well, I have these hurdles to to deal with and well, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure language was part of his education and English was important mm-hmm. after the World War II mm-hmm. and everything. Um, so he was actually first in, in London um, working for a bottling company that was bottling... German wines mm-hmm. off the Thames River, so off a boat, and that was the common way to, you know, import wine was in bulk and then yep. bottling it at, at the um, destination. So he learned English in England. Um, okay. He he 
you know, both <laughs> English uh, capabilities there. And then when he came to America, of course, that uh, continued to improve. Right. Yeah. And he, he you know. Cool. He, mm-hmm. All right. I think that's a really exciting story and, you know, what a life development. And then after years of making wine, Joseph Phelps finally decided to plunge in and found the family winery right here in Carneros. Mm -hmm. You are are in the family founding location right now with a very unique building Mm -hmm. that your dad had contracted the architect specifically to do a building that reminded him of home. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. So the, the winery building was designed by his best friend, who's an architect in Germany, mm-hmm. um, and it's got the post and beam uh, style of the Rhine River Valley. Um, anywhere you go in Germany, you'll probably see similar-looking buildings. And yeah, um, yeah it was built um, on, the, on the side of a small hill, and uh, there was there are caves um, that are, right. are part of the winery. So the caves, um, you enter into the winery and you can right. go through and you enter caves. So so you are down the street from Gloria Ferrer, which also have, has caves mm-hmm. with a similar, uh, the similar geography is there, which is you've got um, the mountain range coming down mm-hmm. behind you, making it an o- open invitation to, to build caves. Yeah. Um, was were caves something that you started off initially, or was this something where your dad looked at the price tag of caves and went, <laughs> "Wish list, not your one." No, <laughs> um, I, I believe the, the the building was built first, and then the caves were um, were uh, dug into the hillside, mm-hmm. right right in the winery. So um, I don't think it took very long because you know the. The savings of caves is um, immense when you think about the, you know, not no need for air conditioning. Right. Um, you've got humidity and the right temperature. So and storage. Um, and storage, yeah. and you just yeah, that's where we house our about six hundred or seven hundred barrels um, in in the caves. Okay. Very so, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. What what an exciting background, and you have uh, a few yeah. annual events that the public can participate. Mm-hmm. One is. Shugtoberfest, yeah. known in some parts as Oktoberfest. Yes. <laughs> um, but hearkening back uh, to the homeland, mm-hmm. uh, to Germany, Oktoberfest is a big one. But here you get to celebrate harvest mm-hmm. and the wines That's from right. Shug, which mm-hmm. is really exciting. What are some of the other public events that you guys do? Well, um, we we have done uh, what we call a pig roast. Mm-hmm. Um I think pork is a very common meat from Germany. It so sure it actually, is. Um, so the uh, the caterer we that we have does an entire um, entire uh, pig, mm-hmm. and then we serve that with a bunch of sides, and it goes perfectly Exciting. with Pinot Noir. Um, it sure and, does. Yeah, and uh, I think that's always a lot of fun, and that's usually in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one coming up is our. Uh, white wine Weihnachtsmarkt, which is um, a Christmas market style mm-hmm. uh, event on uh, Saturday, December fourteenth. Wonderful. Yeah, twelve to three, and um, we we did our first one last year, um, and it was a huge success. We lit up the caves with beautiful twinkling um, uh, Christmas lights, and and had some great different tidbits of mm-hmm. food and, and mm-hmm. wine and it was oh fun fun so fun we, and this year we have carolers coming <gasps> so 
exciting. Some caroling, Very and they're festive. actually learning a few of the German carols that mm-hmm. um, would be typical from Germany. So um, we're we're looking what forward fun. to that. Yeah, exciting. And yeah. I want to say when you mentioned, um, you know, pork, very common food uh, in Germany. And of course, I also think sausages. Yes. And uh, I was drinking this beautiful sparkling wine, your Rouge de Noir. And I would say even this would go. with. Yes. Mm-hmm. I might do, you know, some lighter sauces or white sauces. I mean, they're just this definitely mm-hmm. would go with pork very easily. Yeah. Savory dishes is what we recommend um, rather than anything like dessert um, mm-hmm. and smoked meats as well. Um, those kinds of things. Right. Yeah. And also, uh, of course, bubbles are well known to go with um, the real obvious pairings, which are potato chips, French fries mm-hmm. are, are ones we hear of commonly. And of course, I associate a lot of those with um, uh, sour cream based, you know, mm-hmm. again, uh, dairy based kind of dip. So you can combine those with a lot of different things and it would go beautifully with these bubbles right right so just absolutely fantastic way to go there what else claudia do you like to pair this with at home well um (laughs) gosh uh (laughs) i do love popcorn with my bubbly um you could probably completely agree truffle salt or something like that um some asian spices might be nice with this so um we do um, my, my sister-in-law, Christine, mm-hmm. uh, develops recipes. And on our website, we do have um, wine and food pairing suggestions with her recipes. Perfect. Uh, and I don't recall specifically what she has for this wine, but um, okay, you could have a look and see. But let's, uh, let's make sure people know the web address is... Oh, it's Shug, shugwinery.com. So all right. it's um, Shug, S-C-H-U-G-W-I-N-E-R-Y, all in one Dot. word. Yeah, and it's, I have to say, it's a very nice and easy website to navigate through and get a sense of what the family history is like Mm -hmm. um, doing these things. Did you, you didn't do bubbles from the very beginning. You, you started with Mm -hmm. Pinot Noirs and sparkling was a new addition. In 87. 87. Okay. Yeah. All right. So not too long. Always this color. So it, it is something that. Uh, a lot of our old-time customers just look forward to getting every year, and we were sold out for almost a year because we had to skip one vintage. So this has just been released a month or so ago, and uh, there were a lot of people so waiting for it. Get, so. a, get them while you can. Yeah. So I imagine yeah. this is a club selection for your club members it, right it, now. It, it can be, yeah. It uh, It's available to non-club, but you um, okay. there is a club a selection for that too. So how much sparkling Pinot Rouge de Noir do you make this year? Do you have an, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to cheat. I guess. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Cheating is perfectly allowed. So we're looking at 12 bottle cases, uh, 400 cases Mm -hmm. approximately. Okay. That's, it's a, it's a very small amount and I imagine it's only available at the winery or by ordering it from the website this That's is not right. gonna you're not gonna find this in your local wine shop no no we we might totally send it, unique send it to a restaurant for a mm-hmm. wine dinner but 
uh, other than that, it's not mm-hmm. generally distributed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And do you also do wine dinners around the calendar from time to time? Yes, we do. Um, yeah, a lot of them have been outside of California, so we have seen mm-hmm. so many wine dinners in the Carolinas because that is our strongest market in the United States. Fun. Yeah. So. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Do those events make it to the website under the event um, section of the website? Um, best, better to remember. look through social media. Social media. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not necessarily on our website. So, so yeah. Instagram, Facebook, Correct. Uh, Twitter, or just those two primarily? Twitter has not, has not been curated recently recently <laughs> it I seems it. to be um the not the not the yeah it, okay. i i i started my social media life on twitter and right. that uh that was uh many many years ago i so. i think there are the, uh, uh-huh. you know when you look at uh the the sites of choice the platforms of choice for social media that twitter is down the list for wineries um there's yeah. some very large ones that are the most active in social media using it but most small wineries are, are not on twitter instagram is so. is the up-and-coming kind of more the right. young people and well uh, that reminds me now <laughs> that you bring that up so we were talking before we started recording about some current industry news and i will hit on some of that news if i can get to the right page here so did you know claudia uh, that uh, of the generations out there, particularly the millennials and Gen Z, but um, uh, so this chart is amongst them primarily. The question put to them was, where do you most often learn about new products that you're interested in buying? Mm-hmm. And the Gen Z women by 24% said social media posts from influencers. Um, followed right behind that by 23% for social media posts from friends or family. Mm-hmm. So that's 50% of Gen Z women. And amongst millennial women, it was almost 40%. Wow. So this is a really big number for women. And as you and I both know, women in the industry, women make up close to 80% of the wine buying public mm-hmm. uh, who make the purchases for the family overall um amongst the men uh gen z men it was oh i can't do the math but it's like 44 percent uh of gen z men get their um their purchase decisions and and interest developed through social media and for millennial men it's even smaller than that it's about 30 percent so it's a it's it's the largest area um, I think, you know, amongst all the different places that you can promote and advertise, um, below that, interestingly, um, millennial men said that they make a lot of their, um, buying decisions based upon ads mm-hmm. on social media and blogs. Wow. Wow. So, um, that wasn't too far behind it. Uh, and that was followed by television. And similar statistics were available for millennial women and Gen Z men and women. Um, so really, it was social media as the primary places to go. Um, some of it to newspapers and magazines. Um, but then all of that was followed again by ads on social media. 
and very small portion went to television and word of mouth. So, as you said, Instagram. Yeah. The yeah. place to be. And, folks, that's where you're going to get your news on Shug Winery's upcoming wine dinners whenever they, when and, whenever and wherever they may be. Yeah. Mostly in the Carolinas. Right. <laughs> well, it's right. a lovely place yeah, to visit, I, that's for sure. I am doing a wine dinner next year at a yacht club in oh, Newport Beach. Good for you. But then that's mm. members only. So, mm. um, but yeah, so it's it's occasionally it's going to be private clubs or things right. like that. So, right, yeah. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fun to do that. Mm-hmm. Some interesting statistics to go with. Um the, the way that millennials make their decisions on what they want to buy was a survey. And, and I should mention that survey that I just read from was reported in Wine Industry Insight in Lou Perdue's uh, Daily News Fetch. Um, this other one that was, I thought, kind of cool um, also was from News Fetch today. Um, and this was a poll that was conducted um, the third week of... October of this year amongst 2,200 U.S. adults, and it had a a plus-minus margin of 2%, which most polls seem to do. And so what they asked the um, poll respondents to do was to rank um, various activities, um, beverages, food, and cities as to whether or not they were more male or female. And this is not age-related. This is just this. This is the respondents, but so by gender. Where do you think wine came in as more male or more female? More female. Yeah, that's I what I. That's more what women I thought too. drinking a glass and buying of wine. it. We yeah. were just talking yeah. about that. So, yeah. wine was um, was definitely ranked more feminine. It was more feminine than whiskey, beer, energy drinks. Soda, coffee, seltzer, water, martinis, diet sodas, cappuccinos, and iced coffees. But it was less feminine than pina colada. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know why that one stood out by itself. Lattes and tea. I was Mm -hmm. a little surprised by tea. Mm -hmm. Obviously, not too many British men took the survey. No. (laughs) Because I think they would put it in there. Anyway, uh... Uh, other just kind of interesting rankings here among some of the other categories, non-wine beverage categories. Um, in food, uh, a lot more healthy food was graded to be more feminine. So, for instance, yogurt, salads, avocado toast, quinoa uh, was all rated more feminine. Um, on the more masculine side, uh, steak, Meatloaf, cheeseburgers, fast food, and sushi. Um, evidently, cookies and cake came in right in the middle, so I guess we don't discriminate uh, gen- along gender lines for foods. Um, cities. Uh, what would you think would be a feminine city or a masculine city? Um, feminine, I would count maybe uh, Paris. Paris, yes, that came on to out on top mm-hmm. as most feminine. I have a a tendency to agree with you on mm-hmm. that, and I think uh, I, I hearken back to the Great American Songbook, uh, the way that Cole Porter and the Gershwins and Irving Berlin all referred to Paris in kind of feminine terms in their lyrics to their to their songs. Um, 
So that's true. Paris came out most feminine. Miami and London. Kind of mm. surprising with London. Uh, most masculine cities. Uh, Las Vegas, Chicago, Houston, Washington, D.C., and Moscow. <laughs> and evidently, none of the um, Asian ones. The only Asian city that was listed by the poll takers were um, Tokyo, which was rated more feminine, kind of interestingly. Um, activities um, was not too surprising. The most masculine activity was listed as hunting and fishing. And the most feminine activity was yoga. Uh, women seem to be a little bit more health conscious in that regard. Although right behind yoga were shopping. Mm-hmm. Not exactly a sport or a feminine sport, but maybe it is a feminine sport. Um, and posting pictures. So posting, I guess I would think that would be posting to Pinterest. Um, although it didn't say so. Um, so it just, just kind of some... Some interesting stats in there for today's kind of news. A couple other things on today's news um, that were kind of interesting to me. Uh, There's an article out here, and this this would probably interest you, um, Claudia. I don't know if you saw it. An interview on Forbes by Jill Barth um, interviewing Jessica Kogan. She is... uh, a co-founder of Cameron Hughes Wines, mm-hmm. uh, and I think also marketing director or, or, or something with Vintage Wine Estates. I'm not sure what her role is there. Um, one of the key quotes that um, she mentioned, since Cameron Hughes has a, a very strong social media presence uh, and does a lot of online work, Jessica said, quote, our job online is to make you feel connected to our process our philosophy, and our dreams. I really don't think that you can have the same experience at retail unless an individual who represents the brand is speaking directly to you. Yeah. What do you think? You agree? Yeah, I agree. Or maybe you would have a slideshow somewhere, um, you know, putting pictures up. Right, which of Um, course you can do on social media. Right, I Mm -hmm. mean, that's, uh, emotion comes through pictures. and um, It sure does. Yeah, it's very hard otherwise to get it. Mm-hmm. And pictures and video. Right, right. Um, I would put that up there as well. So let's talk a little bit about the Shug Wine Club. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear what the options are for people who just totally dig Pinots. Um, yeah, there is the option to uh, choose to receive only Pinot Noir, and we have several different options in our um portfolio Mm -hmm. um so if you choose to just uh get a wine club which are four shipments a year at uh the the first wine club is four bottles uh for per shipment so you're getting 16 bottles in the year and then you're getting 20 percent off all the wines Mm -hmm. that uh you get shipped as well as anything you add on to it so 20 percent, and then other benefits like attending these events, right. f- free tickets, um, free tastings at the winery, free sit-down tastings with mm-hmm. your guests. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd also have the eight-bottle wine club. Um, so if you are a uh, someone who needs a little more wine in the year and likes and to... And who doesn't? And likes who to sh- doesn't, right? <laughs> right. And it's not just for yourself. You can share it. You can gift it. Um, it's definitely... There's a lot of use for our wine, and especially when you're getting 30% off because you're an eight bottle wine club member 
um, then that's a deep discount, girl. I know, I know. It is really <laughs> it's very generous. <laughs> so we know we're almost like treating them like a a trade partner in that sense because mm-hmm. they are um, getting a pretty good price, and we're hoping that they're sharing the love and and gifting or, or put, yeah. putting it on their table um, on a regular basis. Tis the season. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, and so the benefits on on both of those mm-hmm. are definitely being part of the wine club is coming to our events and uh, enjoying uh, right. uh, free tastings, etc. So, so mm-hmm. um, I'm good. I'm just going to take a leap here and guess that a large number of your wine club members are in the Carolinas, since you said you do wine dinners there and the like. Yeah. So I imagine that they have become big fans. That and and as well, we have good distribution. We have mm-hmm. a, a, a wholesaler in the Carolinas that does a good job for right. us. So okay. um, they are able to get the wines, both as wine club members and in the, in the stores. Um, and no, we're, we're growing. Our wine club is growing quite a bit because we have uh, we've mm-hmm. changed some strategies. And so we've done, uh, I think we've, we're, we're up to speed with the, with the trends. So and, without um, giving away any trade secrets, I don't want you to do that. Uh-huh. What are, what are some of the, you don't have to get super specific, but, what are some of the trends that you're seeing, even if it's it's trends going away? We seem to be going away from this. What do you what do you think your club members and wine connoisseurs all together are looking for? Well, customization is one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not dictating what they are going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make it easier for a winery to know that they're going to put a package together um, specifically for the different wine clubs shipments mm-hmm. um it makes it easier to coordinate but we have found that everyone enjoys to customize mm-hmm. so we do allow that um so if someone is a white club wine club member and just wants to get four bottles of our estate chardonnay every time they're they're entitled they're entitled to do that <laughs> and we are flexible and nimble and able to do that and i think a lot of wineries have caught on to that customization trend do do when you announce to your club members okay here comes here comes your your quarterly shipment right um do you say hey here's the winemaker's choice Mm -hmm. which if you want to choose something different you can so do you do you yeah. start off by saying this is, this is what this is what your default selection is, and this is what we'll ship to you unless you tell us otherwise, right? That's and then you give them, you know, two three weeks or something to mm-hmm. come up with their alternate ideas Correct. of what they want. Yeah. And do you find that since you introduced that program, that more and more members are opting to customize, or mm-hmm. do a lot of them go with the the what's selected for them and some of them change their minds. Well, I I don't have the statistics, unfortunately, on okay. what's going I'm on. I'm not going to hold you to any of this. Because I said I wasn't um, going to make you give away no, trade secrets. No. I mean, the phone isn't ringing off the hook, as far as I know, when we send out that email. But it is, you know, a regular stream of calls mm-hmm. and requests. Um, and especially um, wanting to um, add on to their mm-hmm. shipment because they're only receiving four bottles. And if they add two, their shipping cost goes down. So if they add uh-huh. two bottles, they have, there a, you go. A, I, I think it's a $6 
flat rate and then if they add up to 12 make mm-hmm. a t- case of 12 and it's only right. one, one penny so so this means the people who are in the four bottle club can go to a half a case and the people in the eight bottle club can go to a full case yeah or and get from, a better deal or from four to 12 as well sure I mean, yeah they can why choose. not yeah why not? why not two cases come on <laughs> <laughs> and so we um and obviously the ones in in the local area they like to come and pick up and, mm-hmm. and that's usually what our quarterly events are about is also for wine club members to pick up their wine so and pick up party yeah, right it's a pick up party um another uh, option for tasting our wines is not just at our winery but it's also downtown right on the plaza tasting room which is right uh, it's called the mercado alley mm-hmm. and it's um where you get uh, a la salette restaurant is right and um a couple of other shopkeepers in that little alleyway yeah it's a That's, great way to right to we're, taste we're there um so that has been spotty as far as opening but generally we are opening between when uh thursday and monday okay um, but we've had some staff fluctuations so we've not does make it tricky does make it tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so now how long has mm-hmm. the tasting room been open on the plaza um over a year now okay um, we've we we took in uh, uh we joined a, an artist mm-hmm. um in the beginning and then we when the artist left for europe um i don't know if people will remember if any cinnamons remember cat cat romine cat's meow she had a, a pet portrait mm-hmm. uh business going and um so when she moved away we took the entire space and renovated oh, it and cool so we we have a very nice space there um People can also ask us about booking it for their own private events if they okay. wish. So perfect, yeah, perfect to have a, a private event. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take it uh, I'm I'm going off a of memory for space on the alley, the Mercado Alley. So my guess would be that you can handle a pretty good sized crowd. I'd say in that, that space, it's not all seated because of the right, seat, but but standing, I'd say thirty people. Um, yeah would be fine uh we had uh we had during the um film festival one of the sponsors hosted a a uh, tasting there nice for the film festival so we did have about 30 to 40 people wandering around our tasting room space there nice yeah Yeah. nice all right i'm up to we should pour the second wine that you brought this beautiful (laughs) pinot noir so give this a whirl all right, it's our Shug Heritage Reserve Pinot Noir, 2016, and so it should be perfect. Here, grab I'm this one to, for you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's um, Heritage Reserve is a term we came up with um, that is uh, is supposed to uh, highlight the best uh, lots of that vintage, and usually they are. Um, the highest quality lots of that vintage that get longer barrel aging. So instead of the standard nine months in barrel, this Pinot Noir stays for 16 months in barrel. And um, that's unusual. gains more complexity. It, it just softens up tannins more. It, it's just very, um, very good. Yeah, uh, this has a real classic Pinot nose to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's... You know, I always get I get Bing Cherry on the nose, but it's kind of backed by a whole bunch of spices to me as well. That's so I get thing. like a little bit, I get like a little cinnamon and mm-hmm. nutmeg on the nose as well. 
and yeah, beautiful clove and it's yeah and that smokiness a little bit from the barrel note i'd say around 30 30 35 percent new french oak barrels were used um it to uh, mature the wine and the rest are uh, second third mm-hmm. fill so you did get more spice from from barrel from oak but what where very well integrated um giving the wine a little more of a structure i think pinot noir and barrel kind of gain structure from being aged in barrel so i do not know how to um describe this well enough but the words that come to mind won't make any sense (laughs) i smell history history (laughs) history and i don't know if that's just because um there's there's a certain shug style yes that's a that's different from other pinots and i'm not saying this isn't classic Pinot. This is classic Pinot. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not a modern um, fruit bomb or anything. It's quite. Uh, it's very dry. Wonderful acidity. We love that Pinot Noir actually naturally has the acidity. You don't want to have it be too flat. Um, my dad grew up on an estate in the Rhine River Valley that was growing Pinot Noir. So Spät Burgunder. There, there you go. Yeah. Long so words. Spät Burgunder. <laughs> Spät Burgunder. Spät yeah. Burgunder. I'm going to yeah. keep practicing this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, always good to learn. Yeah. So when you said you, you taste history, that's, that's definitely what you're tasting is history. Well, now I can pinpoint a little, little bit better. And to me... Um, Pinots with less history in the bottle, um, and this is this, and I guess now what I mean by that is um, pinots that just smell and taste a lot younger, mm-hmm. or or maybe I should just say different is um, the younger ones um, seem to have a lot more blue fruit on the nose and very little spice at the beginning. You mm-hmm. get a younger pinot. Has it still has plenty of red cherry, Bing cherry to it, um, but it's not particularly complex. Yeah, this um, is complex right out the gate, right, right out of the first pour. Yeah, I know. Uh, 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 which is unusual yeah. <laughs> to me. Well, we we like this is red. You know, it is enjoyable. Now, are we we have a library of wines that um, go back goes back to the beginnings of our winery. Um, our brand started in 1980. So you could be opening wines from mid-80s through, um, you know, 10 years, 20 mm-hmm. years old. Um, and there's still, you still get that essence of the acidity, the spice and all that. It just becomes a little more earthy with time. Um, but yeah, we... And it's, yeah, and, it's and it's really well incorporated. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this Pinot um, has the acidity, has, you know, light tannins to it, but everything is all balanced out in this mm-hmm. perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something your family wine is known for, which right. is great. Uh, we yeah. should do another toast. Uh, yes, let's do that. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Toast. And it's beautiful. It's got this gorgeous garnet color to it, yeah. Yeah. which is, it, it's just stunning. And again, something um, to go great um, with a lot of holiday meals. So the first thing that comes to mind to me um, was I had... Thanksgiving dinner actually at the the uh, Fig Cafe. Oh, great! So what they were serving was, uh, of course, turkey uh, with a cranberry dressing to it. That was really lovely, and this makes me think of what a perfect accompaniment this would be to a cranberry dressing. Definitely, yeah. But also uh, duck confit, duck, yes. easily lamb, um, lamb cassoulet. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, some, uh, yeah, a lot of pork dishes again, yeah. as you mentioned at the beginning, this would go with quite a few of those. Yeah. And even I should mention, you know, you can put, you can put, uh, steak and pork and fowl. You can put all of those on salads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can perfectly see this with any of those types of combinations. What do you yeah. like to pair this with, Claudia? Well, I, I've been thinking uh, uh, about some vegetarian options. And mushroom, oh, you. mushrooms are always good. Um, mushrooms, <laughs> earthiness of mushrooms. And you can even uh, d- put a dash of balsamic in there. And it you know, gives oh. a little bit of a lift to the mushrooms. Sure does. I think that's a good uh, pairing. Um, sun-dried tomatoes is something that my 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 sister-in-law oh, has yeah. um, you know added to uh, certain dishes that kind of gives an umami mm-hmm. kind of very intense flavor yes. of, the, of the tomato and the acidity a little bit of the acidity as well that kind of um, right. lift, lifts the dish um, yeah fruit, fruit so fruit you just sauces. made me yeah. think of something else I was preparing over the holiday eggplant parmesan yeah yeah definitely a, a, a vegetarian dish that Right. Would go well here. Right. Um, and I only mentioned that because I throw in mushrooms to it. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it, sounds it just tipped off my, tipped off the little synaptic connections going on in the brain there, which is important mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I want to make sure we mentioned Pinots. Pinots are not the only thing that Shug does. And the sparkling wine, this really special brute um, sparkling wine that you do from Pinot Noir, the Saunier mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also I'm like, and I'm looking at the bubbles here in the top of the bottle. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. It's still bubbling. Um, it's still going like crazy, which is yeah. yes, exactly, yeah. which is great. Um, but you also do Chardonnays. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. talk about um the other selections and the other wines that you yeah. make. We do Chardonnay. Um, in fact, um, I think they're equally popular because um, Carneros being uh the place where Chardonnay and Pinot Noir does best. Um. We do uh, uh, several different styles mm-hmm. of Chardonnay, one being uh, basically unoaked or mm-hmm. neutral oak and stainless steel. That's our Sonoma Coast. And then it moves on to the Carneros Chardonnay, which is aged in, fermented and aged in barrel. Um, and we do our also our estate-grown Chardonnay, 100% from our own estate, which has a much more lifted acidity, a little more freshness, a little more minerality than the other Chardonnays because it's very specific mm-hmm. to the site. Um, uh, besides that, we do a few of a Bordeaux varieties. Um, okay. Uh, we've got a nice uh, a reserve sh- uh, Cabernet, as well as a single vineyard Rancho Salina Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, nice. From Moon Mountain. I know exactly where it is because mm-hmm. for a client for mine, I have to put Rancho Salina on the map. Oh, really? So it's okay. up. It's uphill from yeah. uh, uh, from where Mathis is located. Rancho Salina is uh-huh. a famous um, vineyard. Yeah. Um, and well known for growing just some of the finest grapes in, uh, mm-hmm. in Sonoma Valley mm-hmm. and in Moon Mountain D- District. Yeah, yeah. So, because it's above the elevation to yeah so to we, fit in there. So we do Wonderful. both a Cabernet that's blended with some of their Merlot, a Cab Franc, a Petit Verdot, Malbec. Those are all the five Bordeaux varieties, and then yep. we section off for our wine club some special bottlings of Malbec, some special bottlings of Cabernet Franc. Um, we oh, also wow. have, uh, these are huge selections. So folks. we do very small, small lots of mm-hmm. these, especially um, a few our, barrels here, a few barrels there for our wine club so that yeah. they can get a, a 
bigger variety than you would normally get in in a retail store. Wow. So yeah. Um, one nice. Yeah, one variety that uh, is. Um, the only grower here in California and possibly the United States is Dale Ritchie's um, Saint Laurent and that we produce um, a wonderful red wine that is sort of like a Pinot sort of like a Gamay it's kind of hard to pinpoint but it's got this nice spiciness to it and that grape variety um, I think there's only three producers that um, and I think I've had one of them and I'm trying to remember um, who it was, I'm going to have to look through the right. the archives of right. Wine Women Radio to find <laughs> out who else brought a St. Laurent. But as soon as you mentioned that, I went, oh, yeah, we had one of those. Yes. And uh-huh. You said like a little bit like a Pinot uh-huh. um, yeah. with other touches. Yeah. Yes, yes. Very nice. So there are a couple of producers in uh, the Sonoma area that get the grapes from Dale Ricci and the Ricci Vineyard. And um, yeah, so that is something special as well that we have in our on our uh, up our sleeve, so to speak. Up your sleeve. Well, you got a, you have a lot up your sleeves, Claudia, yeah, yeah. which is really fantastic for those who get to try these wines and become uh-huh. club members and stop in um, the tasting room either at the winery in the Carneros district or in the Mercado off the plaza where folks can um, go taste there as well. Um, because there's a huge variety of choices here. Mm-hmm. Most wineries do not have as wide a selection mm-hmm. of different types of varieties available to them. And um, particularly one that has such a storied history uh, and such a vast experience with Pinots. Mm-hmm. Um, your dad kind of put Pinots on the map and particularly some... You know, the idea of kind of going to vineyard designates, right. but mm-hmm. that didn't really exist. Uh, you know, is there anything you want our listeners to know about that and that history? Yeah, that occurred at, at the Phelps Winery. Um, they were, um, he so back his street before he was at Phelps, he was working for Gallo as their vineyard, um, as a grower mm-hmm. liaison. So he knew in the North Coast District um, hundreds of, of growers and he knew where the good growers were and which which vineyards had the best grapes so when Joseph Phelps hired him he was able to kind of nab those growers and grab a couple of the um, uh, greatest vineyards for the Phelps winery like the Isley uh, vineyard which yeah <laughs> which was um, well known amongst uh, several producers and so he started putting the growers name on mm-hmm on those special bottlings um, and in, in a single vineyard it has to be 95% from the grower so um, you definitely have to you can't blend in uh, out of other gro- uh, vineyards mm-hmm. um, also uh, varietal labeling was just getting its start in the 70s um, like putting the right. grape variety on the label instead of Chablis or Riesling right. or, or Rhine because um, of course there's mm-hmm. um, you know it's in in Europe it's not common at all um, to put variety on the label because of course in Europe it's more thought of if you're in this location it has to be this grape mm-hmm. it's, it's <laughs> yeah France is most well known for that mm-hmm. um, to have just the region on the label yeah and uh, uh, occasionally Italy too um, right Chianti is just known to be Sangiovese plus a few blending right. grapes but um, Germany was well known to be mm-hmm. a varietal label 
because they had a different history. But it would right. be the varietal label as well as the the sweetness level or the ripeness level yeah. of the grapes. That's so, one of yeah. that's one of the things I've noted about Germany that's very helpful. And of course, it's different names than it is in France or, or as uh-huh. you would find on you know Method Champenoise. Right. Um, uh, for sweetness levels, but. Dying is surely is very helpful mm-hmm. um, to have that uh, from Germany to have those different levels and make it really clear uh, what you're dealing with. So, it, it, mm-hmm. so you know what the heck you're drinking, right. um, even if you don't speak the language. You can just learn those terms and be settled with it. Mm-hmm. So now I, I have to ask Claudia: You've only been back in the states for what, a couple of years now Yeah, about at two. the helm. <laughs> yes, well, with my brother, right. uh, my brother Axel, he was here all along, but I had moved to Germany in 1988 um, and stayed until 2017. Right. Yeah. So, so, a bi- so a big change there, and you come back, and so, so we try to talk on the radio program here a little bit about a, what's a, you know, is there anything special about being a woman in this industry or coming back to it, particularly in the U.S. since we're mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what are your personal impressions in terms of career development and things you've run into and, you know, wow, I wish I would have known or, you know, anything that fits into that that comes into mind to you? Um, I think it's really important um, not to feel intimidated by, say, some of the more not mm-hmm. you know people who portray themselves to be more knowledgeable experts, experts on <laughs> of wine i think we can all develop our own uh our own mm-hmm. expertise um right. be it in the classroom be it through reading and and tasting and tasting and tasting and tasting i mean that's uh, for for the knowledge about the world of wine i think it's important to uh, to educate yourself and to know what the competition say, what the world of wine is about, and not be in your little, um, your little bubble of mm-hmm. say California, because the world of wine is big and imports are becoming more and more important. Um, so I think uh, my perception was it's it's about the same in Europe as it is in the United States as far as. Uh, women in the wine business mm-hmm. there are a lot there are many women in the wine business but um, I don't so I see that not all of us progress uh, right have the chances that that maybe men do um, so the opportunities aren't always the same for women right there. right okay um, but I I combated that I grew up in the wine business I started a wine importing company in Germany mm-hmm. um, just without any help I just found you just out. plunged I, I, in I found I found the answers I asked questions I I um, just did and uh, what I found was encountering many uh, male counterparts who acted like they knew everything about wine so I decided I got to go to school I need to sit down and I did did the WSET mm-hmm. um, wine and spirit education trust right level uh, from level three to, to the diploma level four and that was really helpful in giving me confidence about you know um, the knowledge of wine which I right. thought was helpful and it didn't it didn't co- you know it was fun I networked I met people. Um, it was good it's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it I helps th- make connections for your import right, business, right? So never, exactly. never, never give up because you think you're, you know, someone don't, else. Don't be talked out of it. No. This is a real common theme we uh-huh. hear from women who we have on the show. Uh-huh. Is 
some some of them have actually reported that they listened to somebody who said, why would you want to do that? Or, you know, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. And Mm -hmm. they sometimes felt like they were postponed in their career anywhere from one to five years as they recovered from, as they recovered mm-hmm. kind of in an emotional way and mental way from being told you can't mm-hmm. yeah. do that or yeah. you shouldn't do that. And it took them this extra time to kind of bounce back and said, well, I still want to do it and I'm going to do it anyway. Right, right. And I think it, it depends on what part of the industry you're in, whether you're an enologist or winemaker. Are you in sales? Mm-hmm. Are you pounding the pavement? I think that's me I perceive that to be more of a male-dominated right. uh, industry True. is the sales side. Then are you in hospitality? Are mm-hmm. you in marketing? What what part of the industry are you active in? Um, there could be more women in certain parts mm-hmm. and more men in other parts. So right. you need to know what you really want to do. Don't be deterred by the right. the statistics and just do it. And um, where do you see Shug going in the next three five ten years what you know you, I, you know if I had asked you that two years ago you probably would have been mortified because you yeah. would have just been back and just getting your feet wet in it but now that you've had two years or am I still asking too early oh oh <laughs> gosh uh, things change every day right <laughs> um no I I just see us um focusing a lot more on our our consumer side and mm-hmm. um uh, uh, building up our hospitality and that part of it because the the, the wholesale marketplace is is a, is a brutal um, it's, <laughs> it is brutal um, selling uh, selling to distributors in the United States is just really really difficult and so uh, I think we we need to become stronger in our direct to consumer um, okay. strategy so and that's what makes we've perfect been, sense what we've been doing and we have been growing so right well mm-hmm. you mentioned you've been yeah. adding on events in the past year yes. mm-hmm. and you've been adding on dinners mm-hmm. uh, for people to try it and you've been adding on to your social media channels and the focus that you're putting onto them mm-hmm. so it sounds to me like you are you know right on the path of where you want to go and and where you think the industry's growth is and your what your winery's growth is mm-hmm. so you're so you're right on target which yeah. is a great thing um what kind of challenges do you think are out there that are your your purse personally or for the winery collectively you're going this is harder than i thought oh <laughs> Finding, finding good employees and talent, mm. um, that's, I think, has been difficult for many wineries is to get right. the right people in your tasting right. room to sell your wine. Right. Um, Do you find uh, that the model has shifted for who that should be? You know, there was a time when... When people thought, oh, you know, I can, you know, I can just pull anybody off the street and just oh. ask them to pour. Right, right. Now and you have to really be skilled at a lot of things, and you have to be um, have the right customer service. Mm-hmm. You have to have a little bit of knowledge. We don't always think it's important to be, you know, level four and level four d- W set. Yeah. You don't have to, <laughs> but you have to know um, at least mm-hmm. know how to tell our story and um, also know how to sell. Um, that is. Uh, when it comes at uh, the end of the day you want to have you want to meet goals and you want to mm-hmm. sell wine um, do your sale do your um tasting room personnel have individual or collectively as the tasting room you you need to be hitting these marks 
this we, month and this month. We and, set goals, yes, yeah. and we we cheer on um, top salespeople, and they get a little gift card or something. Yay! Okay. <laughs> so Yay! Do, I'm glad we, to hear we you do, do that. We do want to motivate, and I'm every day I'm down there um, saying how's it going and trying to motivate and every, get everybody yes, uh, that's excited very important. because you know uh, some days it can be really kind of you know frustrating. And you yeah. want them to stay motivated and stay happy, and and that spills over to the to the guests coming in the door so i think it's important to have that um atmosphere in the in the in the winery there you so, go mm-hmm. and and if i may uh mm-hmm. what do you where, where do you see yourself in the winery what what more things do you want to do in the next three to five years personally is there anything like you haven't done yourself that you're like going i'd really like to get my fingers into this area um uh, I, I've dreamt about starting a wine education program, but that's could be with the winery or alongside. Okay, all right. So that's so um, teaching is one of my passions, and, okay. and explaining things and making wine fun. Um, so occasionally, I will go and pop into one of our seated tastings and say a few things, and then cool pop back out. I think that <laughs> but, sounds great. Um, but I do enjoy teaching uh, and talking to our staff yeah. about what I know about wine and right. um, I, I enjoy amongst friends uh, also doing the same. So. And what's it like, you know, there there are fewer and fewer family operations, mm-hmm. winery operations. You work with your brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it like? As it, I bet it was challenging when you first returned, but Sure. Now, yeah. now, how do you find the dynamic works for you too, you well, and Axel? I think what we needed to find out was where, what was the best, what was my best mm-hmm. use because I had been a, I had my own business in, right. in Germany. I was a wine importer. I was working for Wine Institute of California. I was doing their generic marketing for California wine. I was speaking. I was doing a lot of different things. So I had to find my way in the in the uh-huh. team. And I'm best used in the marketing and mm-hmm. um, doing some things, uh, helping with the hospitality department, mm-hmm. as well as I was always in charge of export sales. So that's definitely uh, uh, designated for me. That's which, that's your uh, arena. Yeah, right, exactly. So right. I, I built up most of those markets also okay. while I was in Germany. So um, Makes yeah. sense. So um, definitely uh, co-leadership together, um, both with our different skills mm-hmm. that we have. Um, I always t- saw my parents as the, there was a maternal and a paternal kind of situation where each of them had a role in, in, in leading the, leading the team. So I think that could be the same with a brother and sister. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Claudia Shug, Shug Winery right here in Carneros. You can find them at shugwinery.com. That's S-C-H-U-G winery.com. With uh, a tasting room on the plaza and the Mercado, uh, M-E-R-C-A-D-O, uh, for those who are wondering. Uh, so if you're not on the plaza and you really want to go to the winery in person where you can see that beautiful architecture that harkens back to the homeland mm-hmm. uh, in Germany, uh, you can find you guys right there uh, outside of Shellville. 
Yes. Uh, a little bit north of Gloria Ferrer, um, but very easy to find. On Bono Road. Yeah, Bono mm-hmm. Road is mm-hmm. right there. Claudia, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Marcia. It's been great. And listeners, thank you for tuning in today. We really appreciate your listening. If you are in Sonoma, please visit the Panel Wine Lounge at 535 West Napa Street in Sonoma. They are open Wednesday through Saturday at least 3 to 9 p.m. Um, They have a little longer hours on Saturday at noon, uh, closed Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. they got a private tasting room. They have a great wine club you can join. They have a great wine shop that you can shop in. And, of course, uh, uh, just come by for a glass, which would be fantastic. And find more news about Wine Women at winewomen.net. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next week.